All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. This is Corey. We're joined today by SB Nation's Pat Pat's Pulpit. <laughs> I think I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> Managing editor Rich Hill. Rich, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. That's kind of a tongue twister, the title of your guys' site. Yeah, we, we actually kind of do that uh, maybe a little bit accidentally with our podcasts and our, our shows. It's a, lot of, a lot of P words, you know, Pat Pulpit <laughs> pregame podcasts. Right. Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, definitely awesome for coming on. Uh, he graciously accepted our offer to come on just in the, kind of the midst of his team's successful season, uh, kind of the uh, complete contrast of the Jaguars season, uh, to talk about two guys who are considered candidates for the Jaguars' head coaching vacancy heading into 2017. Of course, Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia. And uh, I didn't even realize we were kind of talking beforehand how long both of them had been in their current roles with the Patriots. You said like what, like four or five years now? Yeah. So Josh McDaniels joined the Patriots after he, the Rams season ended, I believe in 2011, right before the Super Bowl. The you know Josh McDaniels was with the Patriots beforehand. He was hired as an offensive assistant in like 2000, and he worked his way up the ranks, quarterbacks coach, and eventually took over as offensive coordinator. And after his brief hiatus with the the Broncos and then with the Rams, he came back and he's been offensive coordinator ever since. And uh, Matt Patricia's kind of in the same boat. Uh, he he took over the defensive coordinator spot in 2012, so he has less experience than Josh McDaniels. But either way, the Patriots have had a lot of consistency at the coordinator position in recent years. Right, right. Does that give you any kind of anxiety or the potential of losing those guys, or is it pretty much you know yourself and other Patriots fans just kind of expect uh, next guy up, kind of? Yeah, no, it kind of works that way, and I, I know that Belichick has been planning it for a while. I mean, I, I think that most Patriots fans are generally surprised that neither McDaniel's or Patricia were higher away this past off season, uh, but I, I think that. Belichick in the, the preseason, specifically the fourth preseason game, he allows the, the non-coordinators to take over the reins. and It's usually Patriots versus Giants, and they, they get the guy who's considered to be next in line for the coordinator spots to, to kind of make the play calls. And so they have Brian Dable, who is their tight ends coach that they expect to be the next offense coordinator when McDaniels leaves. And then they have uh, Brian Flores, who's their linebackers coach, who kind of just took the position this year as the, the guys uh, that the Patriots expected Patrick Graham to be their, their guy, but he decided not to re-sign with the Patriots, which was kind of a surprise. He, he took the same job with the Giants this year. But, uh, yeah, that, I think that, that kind of shows that the guys below, the coordinators think that McDaniels and Patricia might be around for a little bit longer. Gotcha. Well, we'll kind of get into McDaniels just a little bit because um, I will say that he's been – probably one or two in terms of uh, most uh, sought-after coach, at least in terms of Jaguars fans that I've seen out there. And, you know, he's also been heavily rumored just due to his connection with our GM, Dave Caldwell, um, which was kind of more so confirmed in an interview uh, podcast we just did with uh, Connor Orr from NFL.com. I know a lot of fans are still kind of iffy on him just based on the short stint with Denver. Um, do you think he's ready to be a head coach again? And, and what do you think has changed since his last head coaching position and, and sort of why? Yeah, I, I do think he's ready to go. And I'm fairly confident that my opinion is skewed based off of the, the PR push that McDaniels has done in recent <laughs> years. I, I don't know if, if you've been able to catch this, but he's done a lot of kind of media approaches. I think he did one Monday morning quarterback. And uh, he basically wants it to be out and known waiting for the right job 
and he is waiting for a job where he's going to have commitment from the ownership, from a general manager, or preferably he gets to choose the general manager. And he, he wants to have a little bit of a longer leash to, to fix all the problems because that's what happened in Denver. And while McDaniels clearly had all of his problems there, he, he was not a people person. He didn't understand how to lead people. He kind of thought a little bit too highly of himself at that point. He kind of isolated himself. But I, I think that he's learned a lot from that. But he's also turned down opportunities in recent years. You know, they came out from the 49ers and from the Browns. And a few other teams came out and asked him to interview or take the coaching spot. And he's like, no, I'm pretty good. And I I think it makes sense, too, because you you look at how everyone thinks that Chip Kelly is already on the hot seat with the 49ers after one year. We know how Jimmy Haslam and the the Cleveland Browns, they run through coaches like it's like every single year. And I, I do think that. You're looking at the Rams as probably the biggest competition for with the Jaguars for the top, I guess, head coaching candidates this year. And I, both of those organizations have shown that they're willing to commit to coaches for an extended period of time. You know, Gus Bradley had a really long leash for you guys. Jeff Fisher somehow managed to get an extension. I know he got fired as well, but yeah, he <laughs> got an extension after not having a good year. So right, right. I, I think that those are the, the two optimal places. And the question is really whether or not McDaniels feels like those owners will commit to him and whether he's going to have to be tied to the quarterbacks already on the team. Right. Yeah, I definitely think for some, for whatever reason that we probably have the advantage when it comes to ownership. I mean, I don't know. I've just seemed to... Have, I don't, I'm not an in-depth, uh, knowledgeable person about the uh, you know, Los Angeles Rams situation, but I've heard their owner is not exactly the uh, the greatest guy, I guess to say. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, commitment, I, I'd have to say after the – I think Gus Bradley ended up with the worst winning percentage in, in NFL history for a coach that's <laughs> coached as many games as he has. And uh, I think the stat – and I think we already mentioned this in one podcast that you'd appreciate. I think it was like Belichick would have to go 0-16 for like 40 years or something to, to catch up to his uh, winning percentage. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, I think I'm the, Peter King came out with a stat in Monday Morning Quarterback this week as well where Gus Bradley was like 14-48 and 48 with the Jaguars or something like that. Mm-hmm. And over that same time frame, Bill Belichick was 48-14. and 14. It was the complete opposite of the other. Yeah, so if um, McDaniels wants commitment, he'll certainly get that in Jacksonville, that's for sure. Um, obviously, yeah, we hope that in a better situation, obviously. But, um, but I mean, one thing, uh, probably one reason, the biggest reason that people are kind of clamoring for, for McDaniels is, uh, you know, offense. So, you know, New England obviously always ranks up in the top in the NFL. They're fourth in the NFL in offense this season. Um, you know, we just came off a defensive-minded coach and Gus Bradley. Um we're kind of. I think a lot of people are looking for the offensive-minded coach to sort of help fix Blake Bortles and the, and the regressing offense that we've had this year. I mean, we have plenty of weapons, but for some reason, just haven't been able to match last season's numbers. Um, we ranked tenth in uh, in offense last season, twenty-second this year. Um, I think one thing that's really caught our attention, especially, is kind of the work that he did with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett, who a lot of Gator fans around here will remember um, during Tom Brady's suspension. I mean, do you think this is enough evidence, um, you know, aside from just his work with Brady, we know how good Brady is, but is the Garoppolo and Brissett evidence enough to, to kind of give us an idea that McDaniels maybe can make it work with any type of personnel or, more importantly, fix Bortles, potentially? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that the best thing about Josh McDaniels that has changed, honestly, I think it changed roughly in 2014, and he's been a different coach since then, has been his willingness to adjust to the personnel on the roster. 
And I, I think that if you look at the Patriots' offensive playbook over the years, they're, they're not married to any sort of scheme in particular. You know, they, they had their traditional outside receiver. We're going to play with a tight end, and we're going to do a power running game for the first like, five, six years of Tom Brady's career. And then they acquired Wes Welker and Randy Moss and said, you know, we're going to just use the slot position a lot. And then all of a sudden they said, you know, we're going to do the two tight end sets. And they've just adjusted year to year. And I think that that's an important thing that the Patriots have done. But what has changed since 2014 has been the Patriots' willingness to change their game plans on a week-to-week basis. Mm -hmm. And they cater it to whoever they're playing. And so if they're facing, say, the the Los Angeles Rams or the New York Jets, and this past week is a bad example, but usually when they're playing a really great defensive line, they're going to say, you know what, it's not worth our time to run the ball against this defensive line if we're not going to get positive yardage. So we're going to find a way to move the ball. Maybe it'll be the equivalent of a run game. We're going to throw swing passes to the running back in the flat, but we're going to find a way just to not waste our snaps. We're not going to waste our offensive plays. We're going to try and get a little bit of positive yardage, and we're just going to chip away because there's no point in running the ball 40 times just to say that you ran the ball. And that's a quote that Belichick McDaniels has said. So I, I think that his willingness to adjust to both the personnel that you have on the roster and to the opposition kind of makes it him an interesting match because I do think that the Jaguars have a ton of talent. It's just a matter of pulling it all together. You know what I mean? Marquise Lee, Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, they're all very good players. And I, I think it's really just a matter of getting them aligned in the right position in order to get them successful or to make them successful, have Blake Bortles get the ball to them quickly, stop making bad decisions. And I, I do think that McDaniels is willing and able and capable to tailor offenses to whatever players are available. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thought because even, and I know a lot of fans now just after that last game, uh, Doug Marone was our interim coach and we killed the Titans and sort of uh, part of the success we had in the offense in that game and putting up 38 points, which is the complete opposite of how any game has gone this season, is that they tinkered a little bit where, where Robinson was lining up on the field. And it just makes you think, you know, if you had a guy that was a little bit more offensive-minded who would think to try things like that, um, when obviously the same plan every week wasn't working, uh, maybe we'd have a little bit more success. So I uh, definitely think that's interesting. One question that I had to kind of throw in there, just because a lot of people seem to think that if we get McDaniels, it's going to be a package deal where we trade for one of your guys' backup quarterbacks. We're basically just taking a bunch of big <laughs> Patriots people. Um, Garoppolo or Brissett? So if we were <laughs> actively shopping the trade market – and let's say we throw out Bortles last week because he really hasn't had that great of a season. There's still a lot of people who want to go a different direction or at least bring in competition. Which of the two guys is most NFL-ready, would you say? Because even Brissett looked pretty decent in the games that he was in. And uh, and with that being said, what value would you guys expect in return for either of them? No, I mean, that's a interesting question because I think it kind of speaks a little bit. If you, if you think that Brissett looked prepared, I, I think that speaks to McDaniel's ability to adjust the play calls because over the first game in a quarter, you know, before Jimmy Garoppolo hurt his shoulder, the Patriots were throwing deep. They were trying to simplify the reads for him and they were playing the Arizona Cardinals and they were still a good team at that point in the year. Uh, I, I think that they catered to Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths over the first game in a quarter and then they had to bring in Jacoby Brissett and they changed everything 
And if you've watched the Patriots offense, Tom Brady never runs bootlegs, ever, never, ever, ever, because they don't want him in the open field. And they started drawing those up for Jimmy Garoppolo because Garoppolo has better accuracy down the field while he's on the move than Brady does. And they said, you know, we're going to incorporate that into our game plan a little bit. And then Garoppolo got hurt. And then you had Jacoby Brissett, who is not as polished of a thrower. I mean, he, he doesn't have the same accuracy or touch that Garoppolo does because Garoppolo has more experience or, I mean, clearly Tom Brady. But what Brissett's best strength was while he was in college was his ability to put the team on his back, like quite literally. And if, if you looked at his final season at NC State, he lost everyone. You know, he lost his top two receivers. He lost top running backs. He lost everyone. And over the course of that season, he had to start running the ball more. And he was very, very capable at scrambling in a kind of Ben Roethlisberger slash Alex Smith kind of way. And that's what they drew up for him. They they did a naked bootleg for him where he ran for a touchdown against the Houston Texans. And so I think it speaks to McDaniel's ability to build up these little game plans for each of his players and kind of maximize what their skill sets are. Mm -hmm. But speaking to Garoppolo versus Brissett, I mean, Garoppolo is clearly a, a much more polished player from my perspective. He, he has much better touch. He's much more aware in the pocket. He is able to throw at every single level of the field. And quite honestly, if he weren't about to enter the final season of his contract, I would think that the Patriots would want to retain him to be the heir to Tom Brady. But mm -hmm. Brady is looking incredibly good this year, and so it's kind of just not in the financial cards. So right. I, I think that they are very happy with Jacoby Brissett. They think that he has a lot of potential. They love his leadership. And they're planning on moving forward with him. That Jacoby Brissett was actually on the injured reserve for the bulk of this regular season because he broke his hand or he injured it in week three against the Texans when Vince Wilfork fell on him. So mm -hmm. Brissett actually played the entire week four game against the Bills with a hand injury to his throwing hands, so he couldn't actually do anything. But they liked him. They brought him back from the injured reserve. They they use their designation to return on a, a third string quarterback and that's kind of speaks to how much they like him. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think yeah, they're preparing to, to trade Garoppolo. Yeah, I read that today actually. Why did they bring him back on? Because they're gonna go into it with three quarterbacks now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's I think all because they're expecting Garoppolo to leave because you know they actually I don't know how the, the Jaguars do this, but the Patriots rarely allow injured players to travel. If you're not dressed, you're going home and they made an exception for usually just two types of people. Uh, they, they had Gerard Mayo. He was a former Patriots linebacker who was a captain, but he ended up on the injured reserve for like three years of a row, and they allowed him to travel because they appreciated his leadership. Mm -hmm. And they made an exception for Jacoby Brissett because they wanted him there. They wanted him to soak everything up, and then they activated him because they wanted him to take practice reps, and I think it's because they know that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be gone over this offseason, and they want Brissett to have as much time and experience in the practices and the playrooms. They don't want to have him as ready to go next year to be Tom Brady's backup. Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Um, so Garoppolo seems like the guy that will kind of probably get the most demand from a trade perspective. Like, how much do you consider his value to be worth right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it should be very high. We saw Sam Bradford go for a first. We, we've seen the Rams and the, the Eagles give away multiple first-round picks for, for guys straight out of college with no experience. And so you're seeing Garoppolo, and you're asking yourself, all right, he has one more year on his rookie contract, and you have the franchise tag. 
Mm-hmm. And how much more ready is Garoppolo than these guys coming out of college? And luckily for the Patriots, this is a very, very weak draft for quarterbacks. I know that people are trying to hype up Mitch Trubisky out of uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. but I, I think that in any other year, he might not be more than a second-round pick. It's more just kind of like the E.J. Manuel year, where it's just like someone has to take the quarterback early. And so I think that you see a handful of really quarterback-hungry teams, and I'm going to remove the New York Jets from it because there's no way the Patriots would trade Garoppolo to the Jets. (laughs) But you have the 49ers, you have the Jaguars, you have a few other teams, you know, the Browns. You have some teams that are interested in going for what you said, the package deal, or just looking to acquire a quarterback straight up, you know, Chicago Bears. Right. And I think that there will be a market for it because even if you say you like Mitch Trubisky, if he's the first quarterback off the board, then Garoppolo is a much better choice than any other option that you could get in this draft. And I, I do think that he's ready to lead a team so long as it's a smart offensive mind, a smart offensive coordinator that's able to maximize his ability. And, I mean, honestly, I, I think that the Patriots wouldn't be out of their depth looking for whatever the trade equivalent would be to like a top 15 pick. And I, I think that that's what they're looking for. They, they've really put out their feelers and then, you know, the, you know, how people leverage the media and they're like, oh, we don't really want to trade him unless we really have to. And so they're, they're trying to drum up his price. But right. I, I think that you see what quarterbacks have been given and you also say, all right, well, maybe they'll take a second round pick this year and a future first and mm-hmm. whatever that's worth. But I, I think that overall they're, they're looking for the equivalent of a top 15, top 20 draft pick. Right. I mean, I think from our perspective, if we brought him in, it would probably be with the intention to start. And I, I don't know. I, I still think it's a little early to bail on Bortles. I mean, even this season with the struggles that he's had, I think I saw on a Reddit thread somewhere that he was still going to potentially put up second best ever franchise quarterback numbers this year. Uh, just, you know, statistically when it comes to the yards and touchdowns, uh, you know, and then last year he, he played pretty well. So, I think it would be jumping the gun a little bit, especially to give up draft picks. And if we keep if we keep Dave Caldwell as our GM, which it sounds like we will, um, he's the type of guy that really covets those picks. So I can't really see that uh, happening. But uh, who knows? The other head coach that is maybe not as rumored, at least in connection with the Jaguars job, uh, but has kind of sort of become my favorite under-the-radar candidate, um, only because he seems like he'd fit in really well with sort of the forward-thinking and analytics-driven front office the Jags have uh, developed since Shad Khan brought the team. Uh, Patricia is a guy that, when I was reading, I think it was a Peter King article, it was really in-depth, really interesting. He sort of uh, earned Belichick's trust. Um, one of the players, I think, called him the human cheat sheet when he's connected to them on their headset during the game, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but is this a guy who you think is, is head coach ready? I mean, is he ready to lead a team on team on his own, or is he more of like a specialist-type assistant coach-type guy? No, I mean, I, I think that he will eventually take over a team. I, I don't know if he's not gotten opportunities because he has a beard or because, you know, he, he runs <laughs> the defense under Belichick, and Belichick gets all the credit for however the defense performs. Mm-hmm. But I kind of think that he's a sneaky good pick. I, I think that he has the type of connection to the players that I think reminds me of like a Mike Tomlin or a Harbaugh. And I, I think that players really respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my big concern is that I don't know what he contributes from an X and O perspective. And I, I say that knowing full well that the Patriots defense ranks number one in the NFL in points allowed per game. And I mean, I, I play into the whole defense credit goes to the, the Bill Belichick thing. But I mean, I, I think that 
Matt Patricia has been around for a while. He coached linebackers, defensive line, and safety. He, he knows the defense through and through. He's a very, very smart guy. He has coached many, many different types of schemes with the Patriots defense. He's coached 3-4, He's done everything, predominantly nickel stuff. I mean, he knows, and I, I think that it's very, very valuable to learn under Belichick because it's not just about the schemes, but it's more about the why and how you want to stay ahead of the curve and how you want to find personnel and players that can adjust to where the league is going to go and how we all know that, or you can kind of tell that the league is going to go a little bit more towards a power running type of style because everyone is playing nickel defense. And so running with a 250-pound running back like Garrett Blunt, or you look at John Robinson with the Titans, you know, former Bill Belichick protege, they get Derrick Henry. They get DeMarco Murray. You have all of these former Belichick guys that are saying, we want these heavy running backs because we're going to counter these nickel styles. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that Matt Patricia really understands the why, and he can push the envelope a little bit. And I, I do think that he has the capability to have everyone to buy into him. And while I don't know what he would contribute on the offensive side, it'd be a matter of finding the, the right fit. I don't know how he would do that. Maybe he would find Brian Dable or bring that guy over from the Patriots or find someone else. But I, I think that the, the Jaguars defense has actually been playing really well in, in recent weeks. And I, I think that they're actually ranked in top 10 by DVOA or something like that. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that Matt Patricia would be a, a good leader of the players. He would get everyone to buy in, but it, it's really a question of whether or not he's able to manage a team from a top to bottom 53 man offense, defense, special teams perspective. Right. Yeah, that's the only thing that kind of scared me off a little bit. And not that McDaniels has a, a whole ton of experience, but I think a lot of us at this point kind of go in the assistant coach route with our last two head coaches. Um, you know, it just hasn't worked out that well. So we're kind of looking with guys with a little bit more experience. And even though McDaniels has only had a couple of years under his belt, at least you feel like he's already gotten kind of a feel of what, what's expected of him and sort of the, you know, what, what goes into being a successful head coach. Um, now I will say that with Patricia, that would also have to be a package deal. He could only be brought here if he kept the beard. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's a part of his, his ethos and mythos. You know, it's where he gets his power. It's his Samson's <laughs> hair. You know, he needs that in order to survive. <laughs> Somebody on the on our last one, uh, uh, last podcast had mentioned that he actually grew out the beard and red or wears like the really red clothing as a way to like stand out to his players on the sidelines so they can catch him easily to ask questions yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that's actually what Belichick has his defensive coordinator does. I don't think it's specifically a Patricia thing to wear red, but he, he likes to have his defensive coordinator wear a really bright color so that they can hmm. find him. Uh, just because I think the communication is a little less clear, but like, you know, you have the off the offensive coordinator and the quarterback through the headset, but the defensive side is a little more fluid. So yeah. they, they have the defensive coordinator really, really bright and available. But actually, I, I recommend that you go and Google what Matt Patricia looks like without a beard and <laughs> put it one next to the other because you cannot compare the two. Uh, Matt Patricia shaves at the end of every season, and he looks like an entirely different person between when he's clean shaven and has his full on beard. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right. That's uh, everybody who's listening. That's what your, uh, your mission is right now. Google images go. Um, so if you were in the Jaguar shoes, just think about from our perspective with all the offensive weapons, Bortles, Allen Robinson, Lee Hearns, who you mentioned and a defense that ranks fourth in the NFL, lots of potential um, in the Jaguar shoes, in your opinion, who would you take the chance on McDaniels, or Patricia, and why? 
I would go for McDaniels, and I would ask if McDaniels would be interested in retaining the defensive staff. Uh, I, I think that McDaniels is ready. He's been ready for the past few years. If you are able to give him that five-year commitment that is necessary in order to revamp everything, I think that he has the ability to maximize the, the potential of that offense. And you have a defense that's already there. I, I think that if you have an average offense and an average defense, you're ahead of most teams in the league. And I, I think that that's an underrated thing, is that you don't need to be great at both. It helps if you're great at one, so that allows you to be average at the other. But if you're average at both, you'll be competing for the wild card spots or for the top of a bad division. And the AFC South is not a very good division. And so, I mean, if he can elevate that offense to being average, they have a defense that would allow them to compete and make the playoffs. And I do think that Blake Bortles, his big issue is that his technique has just completely devolved. You know, from last year to this year, he's no longer t- being patient. He's no longer controlling his, his body motion. And I, I, it's very, very evident. He's also making terrible decisions, not more than anything. I, I've only watched a, a few of his games this year, but it's very clear that he's rushing through his everything. He, he doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket. He's getting hit, and he's throwing interceptions. He's making bad decisions at the worst possible times. And I I think that Josh McDaniels is able to salvage him. I I think that he has a lot of skills. I I think that the Bortles can make all the throws. And I I think that if you have Josh McDaniels come in, simplifies the playbook, finds a way to maximize the players, because as we said, they have three really good receivers. They, They have a lot of talent on there. I actually really like P.J. Yeldon, too, and Chris Ivory is very, very talented. And so mm-hmm. you have a lot of good skill players there. And if, if you can find another tight end, that, that would be great. Uh, although I guess you guys have a tight end, too. He, he is a good one. Uh, Julius Thomas, if he's yeah, healthy. Yeah. Um, and so you, you have the talent there. Maybe they just need to improve the offensive line. But I, I, I think that the pieces are there for a good offensive mind to fix. And if you retain that defensive momentum that you've been building over the course of this past year, then I don't see why the Jaguars couldn't compete next year with at least an average offense. Right. I don't know, man. You've got me really excited about it now. I think I'm completely pro Josh McDaniels at this point after talking with you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me Josh, ask you, though. My check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You said, I think you mentioned beforehand that you have a podcast with Pat's Pulpit as well. Yes. Okay. Do you, yes, what's uh, the name Pat's of the podcast? podcast. Yeah, it's okay. the Pat's Pulpit podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, and everything. So, so let me ask you, what do you guys talk about on a football podcast for a team when you win all the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we look towards the playoffs right now, so that's a good thing to talk about. Who would you rather face, you know? Yeah, but I, I think that this week was a little more difficult than usual. Uh, they, they beat the, the Jets 41-3. to it wasn't a very interesting game. We kind of tuned out a little bit around halftime. The Tom Brady sat in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, it was just one of those games where it's like, well, what can you really talk about other than how sad the Jets are? You know, it's nice that the Patriots are going on. I actually, uh, we recorded it today. And my co-host, Alec, he said that I have revealed the, the greatest first world problem of football fans, where <laughs> we were talking about how it was difficult for Tom Brady to win the MVP uh, in a race with Matt Ryan because the Jets kept turning the ball over too close to midfield, so Brady <laughs> couldn't rack up passing yards. Yeah. And that's kind of the state of where we were. <laughs> yeah, you guys, so, have a, uh, you guys have a tough yeah. life over there. 
Yeah, exactly. So we, we kind of just turned focus to the, the Miami Dolphins. You should provide a little bit more of a challenge next week because the Dolphins, I mean, I, th- I think that the Dolphins are a good model of how important a good head coach can be for a team. And you're talking about the, the Jaguars right now looking for a head coach that can piece everything together. Look at what Adam Gates has done. I, I think mm-hmm. that Adam Gates and Josh McDaniels have always been compared in recent years as being the top offensive minded. But you saw what Gase did with Peyton Manning. He kind of revitalized the career of Jay Cutler for at least one year, and then Cutler kind of threw it all away this year. But I, I think that Adam Gase has the ability to adapt everything. And he's gone from leading a 2013 uh, passing record offense with the Broncos and Peyton Manning to handing the ball off to Jay Ajayi to run for 200-plus yards three times this year. And right. I, I think you need to have that flexibility. And I, I think that the mentality of that offensive mind of saying, all right, who are the pieces that we have? How can we maximize their potential? And how can we kind of use them based off of who we're playing this week? That's kind of a mentality that you can take over the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's kind of how the Patriots have approached their entire roster. So I think that Patricia has that a little bit, but it's a little more apparent with the offense and how McDaniels approaches everything. Right, right. Well, that's an interesting uh, comparison for sure. Well, I'll tell you, uh, definitely, again, uh, really appreciate you taking the time just to kind of go through those two candidates. Um, you know, like I said, maybe next year when McDaniels is potentially leaving us, leading us to the playoff, I'll tweet you for tips on what to talk about on our <laughs> podcast when we're winning. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, no, certainly appreciate it. Um, again, Rich, uh, thanks for your time. Do you have, um, your Twitter handle? Do you want to plug for us to kind of be able to follow you online? Yeah, absolutely. So my Twitter handle is PP, the little letters. So the letter P, the letter P underscore rich underscore hill. And that's my Twitter account. The website is patspulpit.com and we are the Patriots site over at SB Nation. Cool, and we'll definitely link up to you on not only the website, also your Twitter handle, and uh, if we can find the uh, the podcast episode, I'll put that on there as well. Um, so thanks again, Rich. We really appreciate you joining us. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.